What say we get this thing going for another edition, a weekender edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Here we all sit, roundtable underway. I'm Dirk Christensen. We have Jason Jargonson. We have Dave Schroeder in on the business desk for today. We have, of course, Susan Littlefield, who speaks for our ag team today. And they're listening to information about the farm bill today, huh? Definitely. They've got definitely have the 4th with them today. <laughs> May the 4th. <laughs> They are going to need it, I think. I just had to throw that in. You bet. So we're actually going to get more. I just got a text message from Shaylee Peters. So she's going to be giving us some updates as the day goes on over the noon hour with our farm news. But also at the 117, she'll have more comments. As Senator Pat Roberts came across the border into Nebraska to participate in that session today. Then, of course, we'll take a dive into the weather. And guess what? It's going to be a wet one. As we look into the upcoming week, we'll get more details coming from the pinch hitter, as he called himself, as Stoney will have an update for us. He's sitting in for Al Dutcher, who's out on vacation today. Then coming up at 1245, we're going to continue coverage from Washington Watch with an interview with Congressman Jeff Fortenberry, as he shares his thoughts on what he refers to as the trade war with China. So lots happening with us. Boy, we've got people all over the place, and on a Friday, that's a a pretty busy Friday. Thank you very much, Susan. You're welcome. And uh, we are going to move it on over to find out what's going on. Now that we've finally got some decent weather, looks like some track is taking place. Yeah, that's right. UNK will be hosting the MIAA Track and Field Championships this weekend, the first time UNK has ever hosted that particular event at the D2 level. We'll get the thoughts of Coach Brady Bonzel about that. Also, excellent weather for baseball. The Huskers have a three-game series at Haymarket Park as they take on Maryland. Of course, these are two programs that have been two of the stronger programs in recent years in the Big Ten, but not this year. Each team is well below 500. Nebraska needs to start winning some games in a hurry if they are going to even qualify for the Big Ten Tournament, which will be hosted in Omaha. GPAC Baseball Tournament gets underway today. And also an interesting story came out yesterday about an internal probe uh, that they did at Washington State. Of course, this was during the time when current Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose was at Washington State. And some interesting things have come out about that. Now, yeah. Moose responded to that last night, but it does have some people kind of scratching their heads yeah. on how tickets were allocated and... Uh, people were counted for games and yeah. i mean we'll see i mean i think some of the coverage on this so far against him has been a little unfair but uh it's just interesting that's well, you know it, it's always seemed like there's going to be someone out there who wants to stir the pot on something yeah. and, like that and they did with this if there's anything out there i guess they'll find it and if there isn't there'll always be something to have to talk about i yep. guess yeah all right thanks jason we'll listen for it and uh well hey bob brogan's taking a well-deserved day off <laughs> yes he is who's this face here dave schroeder in the flesh here you bet well it's uh woodstock weekend for capitalists in omaha as the annual meeting of the berkshire hathaway shareholders meets this saturday in omaha and they'll be listening to warren buffett and charlie munger talk about business and life uh, I expect there are up to 42,000 people to be there this weekend. So that's going to be uh, quite a crowd, as always, there to hear Warren Buffett. The Warren and Charlie show is always very interesting yes, and funny to, funny to be. They have a mosh pit with that, like they did at Woodstock? You buy pit tickets for that one now. Very nice. Okay, anything further? Do nope, that's okay. it. Well, that's where we'll leave it then. This is Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Paul Perkins has wandered in. 
and that means ag weather can't be too far behind, <laughs> and I can see why you'd be a little bit distracted today. It's a beautiful Friday. Yeah, it's a beautiful day to be outside. A lot of people probably getting caught up on some field work that maybe didn't get as much rain. A lot of the rain fell to the north of the interstate, rather scant amounts to the south of the interstate, especially over south central and southeast Nebraska. But that's some nice rainfall totals. A lot of places getting about 60 to 70 hundreds. And some good weather on the way the next few days. Good time to get it, too. Here is your ag weather brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Sunshine and dry weather on the way for today and tomorrow. Right now, our temperature is mostly in the upper 60s to low 70s. Still around 60 towards the Nebraska Panhandle. That nice weather will continue as high pressure builds east from the Rockies. We'll get some westerly downslope winds and give us some warmer than normal temperatures. Tomorrow looks to be our warmest of the next seven days with most of the highs in the 80s. We'll see a cold front move through tomorrow night. It'll be mainly dry for the passage of it for most of us. It will cool our temperatures to near normal and slightly warmer than normal for Sunday and early next week. Just a slight cool down with the passage of that front. And just a few scattered showers are expected and mainly over eastern areas from Ord to Hebron and points to the east tomorrow night. And that's just a scattered shower chance. Monday night into Wednesday could be a bit on the unsettled side with some thunderstorm chances as several disturbances slide through the region. Due to a lack of forecast model agreement, though, there are only slight chances at some thunderstorms. Daytime highs will stay mostly in the 70s. Another round of thunderstorm chances is back on Thursday night. In our long-term outlook, Nebraska, Kansas, and nearly all of the U.S. will see warmer than normal temperatures Wednesday through May 17. During the middle of May in central Nebraska, our daytime highs usually average in the low 70s with overnight lows usually in the upper 40s. But once again, we look to be warmer than normal. The odds pretty good of that Wednesday through May 17th. Nebraska and Kansas expected to see near normal rainfall the middle of next week. But that likelihood increases for below normal rainfall late next week through the 17th. Soil temperatures at 7 this morning and 4 inches down. As cool as the upper 40s in the Panhandle in northern Nebraska, the southern half of Nebraska into northern Kansas, the soil temperatures in the low to mid-50s to the south of I-70, those soil temperatures right around 60. Weather factors in the market include varied conditions for Midwest planting and more dryness in central Brazil. A cold front stretching from Texas to the central Great Lakes is finally moving to the east and will remain the focus for locally heavy rain as it sweeps across the eastern U.S., Rain totaling an inch or more will fall from the Tennessee and lower Ohio valleys into the mid-Atlantic and produce some downpours into south-central Texas. Favorable planting conditions will continue, though, in the south and east Midwest. That rain that does fall will only slow the field work for a short time and planting also for a short time. Slow progress still indicated in the north-central Midwest due to wet soils, but across the northern plains, drier and warmer weather in the coming days should help out there conditions for planting. The dryness, though, may start to become more of an issue in the northern plains, especially towards North Dakota, where more rain is needed. Drought areas of western Kansas, southeast Colorado, western Oklahoma, and the Texas Panhandle missed out on the rain this week as the wheat continues to stress, and little rain, unfortunately, forecast the next 10 days for those areas. Brazil's central crop areas continue to be dry with little or no rain on the way, the dryness resulting in reduced second crop corn yields. 
Regional Ag Weather with Paul Perkins is brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Temperatures are looking up pretty good here, already hitting 70 in a lot of places. Yeah, very, very pleasant. I know I stepped outside for just a few minutes and very enjoyable. And, of course, yeah. a lot of people probably enjoying it to get all their work done. Yeah. You don't have any predictions about uh, any volcanoes around here, do you? No, that's kind of a scary thing down in Hawaii. Hopefully nothing gets a bright idea either in Yellowstone. There's kind of been some activity there with some... We're a little Shaking too, below. too close for comfort <laughs> on that one. All right, when you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Farmers and ranchers, as well as ag leaders from across Nebraska, met in Grand Island today. I'm Shaylee Peters, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network as we take a midday look at your ag news. They met at an ag roundtable with Senator Deb Fisher and Senator Pat Roberts, who's also the chairman of the Senate Ag Committee, to talk about farm bill, trade, and several other topics. One of the biggest being brought up from producers across the table was crop insurance, and Senator Roberts says that's a number one concern nationwide. That's number one. And I think we'll be able to uh, save it and improve it. Uh, we always have our critics, and uh, we know who they are. They know who we are. So they'll probably come with their same amendments. We've been able to defeat them before. I think we'll do it again. Uh, that is absolutely crucial that we have crop insurance. We want to continue uh, the farmer option on the ARC side in the PLC time. Most farmers in uh, Kansas and Nebraska are in the ARC program for obvious reasons. Uh, prices were higher then, uh, big time. Uh, now they're not. This is the fourth year in a row where we've had a price depression. So I would expect uh, farmers to at least consider the PLC program as a consequence. So you need that flexibility to go back and forth and do so in a way that does not uh, be at the expense of the other. That's terribly important. And so if we can get that tripod, uh, which is uh, absolutely necessary for our farmers, our ranchers, our growers, and everybody concerned, uh, and I think we can do that job. I, I certainly hope we can. More coverage from that Ag Roundtable later today right here on the Rural Radio Network. And the 2018 Wheat Quality Council's Hard Winter Wheat Tour across Kansas wrapped up yesterday. During the three days of wheat scouting, tour participants traveled six routes from Manhattan to Colby to Wichita and back to Manhattan. This year's tour hosted 95 participants from three countries and 30 states and 24 vehicles while traveling across the state. The three-day average yield for fields that were calculated was 37 bushels an acre, while an estimated 7.8 million acres of wheat were planted in the fall. Most of Kansas has been in a severe drought since October. Tour participants saw wheat that was significantly behind schedule with most areas three or more weeks behind normal development. Not only that, but the wheat is short, which will make harvesting difficult. Head size is determined right after the wheat comes out of dormancy and most of the heads were small, which will negatively affect wheat yields as well. Abandoned acres will likely be higher than normal, but how much depends on the next few weeks. The official tour projection for total production of wheat to be harvested in Kansas is 243.3 million bushels. If realized, this would be about 90 million bushels less than last year's crop and the lowest production in Kansas since 1989. And recently confirmed cases of equine herpes, myeloencephalopathy in North Dakota and South Dakota have prompted state veterinarian Dr. Dennis Hughes to remind horse owners to remember to always use best biosecurity practices with fair exposition and rodeo 
season gearing up, it is of utmost importance that horse owners and facility managers take appropriate precautions to prevent the introduction and spread of this disease in Nebraska, said Dr. Hughes. Vigilance is especially important in situations where horses can come into contact with each other. There can be a high susceptibility to the disease where we have horses commingling from different regions or states. The confirmed cases of the disease in North and South Dakota are from horses that have been commingled with other horses during rodeo events. The South Dakota horse is believed to have attended rodeo events in both Lincoln and Hastings and is expected to make a full recovery. And that's a midday look at Ag News. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It looks like more rain is in the forecast. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Sony Cooper sits in for Al Dutcher today to give us our weather outlook. Summer weather appears to have finally arrived. Uh, soil temperatures are finally on the increase with Nebraska mesonet probes, which sit at four inches under the bare soil, showing low 50s at Harrison, Nebraska to over 60 near Guide Rock. Warmer and drier weather Drier weather made its way into Nebraska and Kansas for Friday, setting us up for pleasant weather with spotty showers for the next week. For Saturday, temperatures will start in the 40s across most of Nebraska, southern South Dakota, and western Iowa to the low 50s in southern Kansas. Warming to the mid to low 80s throughout the Great Plains, most everyone will see sunny skies with few clouds. The exception may be in the north around Valentine with a slight chance of thunder in the afternoon and showers in the overnight into Sunday. Rain chances overnight into Sunday across the northern half of the listening area. Accumulation is light. Temperatures Sunday morning range from upper 40s in the west and north to lower 50s in the east and south. Sunday will be a little cooler and sunny for most of the plains. Highs ranging from low 70s in western Kansas to Nebraska and to just over 80 in much of Kansas. Overnight into Monday, clouds will increase. Lows will be in the upper 40s to low 50s throughout the region. Monday, we'll see some changes along the eastern half of the listening area. Strong, gust, strong gusty winds in the north in the afternoon, bringing thunderstorms to northern plains first, which will then spread east and south overnight into Tuesday. Rain chances are about 40% for the eastern portions of Nebraska and Kansas. Highs only into the 70s except for an 80 or two in Kansas. The west remains dry into Tuesday morning, with lows in the 50s throughout the region. Rain chances will remain mostly north and east, ending in the south Tuesday morning. Rain chances continue into Tuesday in eastern Nebraska. Highs will increase into the 80s, except in the northern portion of the listing area, due to the clouds and ongoing rain from Valentine East, where highs will hit the ceiling in the mid-70s. Most appreciable amounts will be in South Dakota and then again around Binkelman, Nebraska, with a potential of around a half of an inch. Wednesday finally sees a chance of thunder and rain in the west, lows starting out around 50 in western Kansas, and then low 60s in the eastern listening area. The west shares the rain chance with everyone else, though, with a 20 to 30% chance of rain throughout the listening area. Highs will be from upper 70s west to 80s east, sunny except in the location with isolated showers and thunder showers. Rain amounts look heaviest in the Norfolk and O'Neill areas of Nebraska, from a half inch to an inch. Thursday morning starts partly cloudy, with lows near 50 west, 60s east. The clouds will burn off most locations, bringing 80s to the regions except for northern Nebraska, which will reach the mid-70s. A slight chance of showers will pop up in the north for Thursday. 
Friday brings the best chance of rain to most of the region except the Nebraska Panhandle. Lows starting in the 60s throughout the region, bumping up into the mid-80s except we're socked in with storm clouds. Higher chance of rain with the potential amounts over 2 inches in northern Nebraska sandhills and a second precip maximum near Wallace, Nebraska, spreading east to near Clay Center. Beyond Friday, the Climate Prediction Center is throwing a dart at the target and hitting below normal precipitation for the week following the 11th and much warmer than normal temperatures for the same time period. And that's your forecast as we head into this next week. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. And it's time to check sports. Here's Jason Jorgen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, a pair of teams that have struggled to this point in the year meet up this weekend at a Haymarket Park in Lincoln as Nebraska hosts Maryland. Each squad is well under 500 in conference action. Maryland is just 5 and 9, while the Huskers are 4 and 9. Game 1 of that series begins tonight at 6:35. GPAC baseball tournament gets rolling this afternoon. Northwestern is the top seed, so they will host one side of the bracket. They'll take on Briarcliff at 6. Hastings College squares off against Morningside at 3. On the other side of the bracket, which will take place at Midland and Fremont, Midland will play Mount Marty tonight at 6, and it's Doan against Concordia at 3. An internal audit has found extensive mismanagement within the budget challenge Washington State Athletic Department, including the possible inflation of home football attendance figures and the improper distribution of free tickets to football games. Now the audit completed in the middle of last month comes as leaders of the school grapple with a $67 million athletic budget deficit buildup over recent years. Washington State responded to the audit by saying changes were coming because of the hiring of a new athletic director and other top administrators. Of course, current Nebraska athletic director Bill Moose was at the school before moving to Nebraska last fall. Well, the UNK track and field program is hosting the MIAA Outdoor Championships this weekend at Kearney High. Now, this is UNK's first chance at hosting an outdoor conference championship meet at the Division II level. And head coach Brady Bonzel says there will be a lot of talent on display. And I put together a list of of uh, people who are are just ranked in the top four in their event in Division Two, uh, and there's there's 20 different athletes or relay teams that are, that are ranked in the top four, and, and uh, some of that includes you know a 10:09 meter runner or a 14 foot women's vaulter. Uh, or a 147 800 runner, a couple seven foot high jumpers, just just things like that that. That are, that are really, really good. Action begins this afternoon in Kearney at 1. And the Kentucky Derby is set for tomorrow at Churchill Downs. Justify is a favorite to win, and trainer Bob Baffert is confident his horse can get the job done. It's there. The ingredients are there. He's big. He's beautiful. He's light on his feet. He's a superior racehorse. Uh, he needs racing luck. If he gets racing luck, and if he gets in his nice, relaxed mode, not too fast, not too slow, Justify is just 3-0 and in his career, but all three of those wins have been dominant. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Sunny with a high near 77 today. Tonight, mostly clear with a low of around 45. And then for Saturday, sunny with a high near 83. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Warren Buffett's company bought 75 million more Apple shares in the first quarter, giving it more than 240 million shares of the iPhone maker. 
Buffett told CNBC about the latest Apple stock purchases Friday as tens of thousands of shareholders begin to arrive at Berkshire Hathaway's annual meeting this weekend. Berkshire has continued buying Apple shares even with the price rising 25% over the past 12 months. Shares hit an all-time high on Friday. At the end of 2017, Buffett's company held 165.3 million Apple shares. Buffett said he looks at Apple like a consumer products company with a strong competitive position rather than a tech company. Besides investments, Berkshire owns more than 90 subsidiaries in a variety of industries, including insurance, utilities, railroads, and manufacturing. A man has died nearly nine months after an explosion ripped through the Lincoln home he shared with his wife, who also has died. Lincoln police say 66-year-old Jim Jassa died in hospice care Wednesday. Officer Angela Sands says Friday that the death certificate says Jassa died of natural causes, but doctors have said he died of his blast injuries. Jean Jassa died August 29th, more than two weeks after the explosion rocked their southeast Lincoln neighborhood on August 14th. Investigators say natural gas filled the home and was ignited from inside, but they have not been able to determine whether any crime was involved. Sands says investigators were unable to interview Jim Jassa before he died. Democratic gubernatorial candidate Bob Christ has chosen his running mate. Lynn Walls of Fremont is a state senator elected in 2016. She talks about why she agreed to run with Christ. I said yes because, first of all, I'm excited about the opportunity. I do not have a political background, and I think that that has really been beneficial for me coming in to the legislature. I worked a lot of jobs alongside a lot of people, listened to stories. I've been a teacher. I worked with people with developmental disabilities for the past, for about 15 years. Um, I've been a factory worker, a farmer's daughter, and currently a realtor and a business owner. So I wanted to be able to advocate for all those voices across Nebraska. If elected, she would be the third female lieutenant governor in the state's history. The Kansas Senate has approved a bill that would cut income taxes to prevent some individuals and corporations from paying more to the state following changes in federal tax laws. The vote just after midnight Friday was 21 to 19. The House expected to take a vote later on Friday. The measure would cut income taxes by roughly $80 million during the fiscal year beginning in July. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. He says the Farm Bill is an essential piece of legislation and proclaimed we are in a trade war with China. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. Congressman Jeff Fortenberry is a U.S. representative for Nebraska's 1st Congressional District. Fortenberry has served in that role since 2005. The 1st Congressional District includes Lincoln and a good part of the eastern third of the state, excluding the Omaha area. I sat down with Congressman Fortenberry in his Washington, D.C. office earlier last week. I began the interview by asking the congressman if he has been able to review the House Farm Bill. The Farm Bill is an essential piece of legislation, obviously, for this vast, vast enterprise in America, farm and ranch country. It's the thing that we make the most of, the thing we export the most of, and, of course, we feed ourselves and feed the world. So we do it about every five years. Um, have I reviewed it entirely? No. The general proposition, though, is that the risk management models are going to stay in place with, with some movement here and there, but that's the basic fundamentals of the framework. Now, there is something exciting embedded in the Farm Bill that we worked on. 
Uh, you recall the House of Representatives made a run at healthcare reform over a year ago, and uh, that was not successful. There were some good things embedded in that bill, such as a government reinsurance mechanism uh, that would try to protect the sickest Americans, and then there were other things that were highly controversial, and it, the effort had collapsed. However, the most important thing that I think that I can do of immediate impact for farm and ranch country is to create the conditions for more affordable health care options. So in the Farm Bill, we have a new mechanism by which we are potentially going to help uh, with a subsidy underwrite the formation of group risk pools to ha give farmers better health care options. So it's a very exciting development, one that could be potentially transformative. There's three problems in health care. One is a lack of access to affordable products, which is a real problem in Nebraska. Secondly, the flexibility of products due to federal mandates. And third is um, what you do when somebody is really, really sick and how do you protect them. And that's the government reinsurance mechanism. This addresses one of those three, a subset of one of those three. But it's really garnering a lot of attention, and I'm glad we were able to get it in the Farm Bill. On trade, Congressman Fortenberry suggests that agriculture producers are patriots and would like to see all of America succeed, even if that means some markets are restricted or closed. Frankly, I don't think it's that complicated for farmers. First of all, farmers are good Americans, and they want the best deal possible for all of America. Now, the, the key here is to tread delicately while some of these agreements are renegotiated, because, again, agricultural products is the, one of the last things that we make in mass anymore and our trade deficit would be much much worse without our exports and of course it occupies a certain significant part of our market particularly in Nebraska for our major commodities uh, but if you look at the trade deficit for instance with China it's half of our defense budget biggest in history in 2017 it's not fair reciprocal smart fair free trade is the goal here. And I think mar most farmers support that. What we have to be very delicate, though, is that agriculture farm products don't become the victim of this, but actually are leveraged for better outcomes that could be benefit all peoples, Americans as well as Chinese and others who we have significant trading relationships with. That's why we've been in dialogue with the president through various means to make sure that there is an, uh, an important awareness of just how important agriculture is to America's economy, how important it is to mitigating trade imbalances, how we don't want to get ourselves into a vulnerable position of being targeted in agriculture because of the necessity to actually go back and renegotiate some of these trade policies. Congressman Fortenberry recently proclaimed that America is in a trade war and losing. His statement came in response to President Trump's new tariff on steel and aluminum. Well, a trade war it makes the headlines in the sense of a, of a tariff or somebody who's retaliating through various means, but there are more subtle ways in which trade wars are conducted. Uh, in China and Beijing, for instance, it takes five years off your life if you live there because the air is so bad. In fact, I had a Chinese person there actually whisper to me, which was surprising, what's the point of all this economic development if it kills you? When you have lax environmental standards, when you have lax labor standards, those are indirect subsidies to production. When you cannot protect your own intellectual property. I had a Nebraska company say, no, they won't deal with China. They call Chinese R&D ripoff and duplicate, when that's the case. 
when if we're going to do some business in China, we have to partner with their companies. Sometimes that's a state-run company. I asked Ford Motor Company, who are your partners? They named two Chinese names. I said, who owns those? The state does. And on and on. So this is maybe not reflected in, in tariffs, if you will, but it, these are indirect subsidies uh, to certain industries that create an imbalance. And then there's other things such as manipulation of currency. Of course, they'll accuse us of our own monetary policy of being manipulated. So a pause, a timeout to try to do some productive renegotiation so that America gets the best deal possible, that we retain the basic benefits of a trading relation with China and other people, but we don't put ourselves in a vulnerable position either as ag commodities or manufacturing or anything else. I think that's the desired outcome that most farmers want to see. Now, I know it's a, creating some moments of anxiety, but can we, can we do better in trade? Yes, we can. That was Congressman Jeff Fortenberry. For more audio and video from the interview, go to RuralRadio.com. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Time to get a review of the livestock futures trade with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, kind of a uh, quiet day. Uh, over in the cattle, we, uh, we started out higher. We tried to run up uh, and basically off of the uh, cash trades that were made yesterday, uh, but just couldn't hold it and uh, uh, ran into some selling, um, still uh, weighing on the prices, and uh, that got us a uh, lower close after being higher to start in a lower week, so didn't turn out too, uh, too good. The uh, feeders kind of following suit there, uh, also uh, uh, not falling off very far, but uh, made a nice little comeback to uh, shave some of the losses that they had during the day, and they, but they finished lower for the week also. Over in the hogs, we're going to finish mixed, but higher for the week, so all in all, it was a fair week. Cutouts uh, at noon in the hogs was sharply higher, and that's what brought us back after uh, being uh, considerably lower, um, and then made a nice nice comeback. Uh product movement this week has been good. Cutouts are also higher for the cattle, but the product movement not as brisk as what was going on with the pork this week. So all in all, uh, uh, mixed week in livestock, and uh, look forward to uh, next week and see how things go. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Total cattle slaughter through Saturday this week has been estimated at 647,000, 24,000 more than a week ago and 32,000 more than a year ago. Hog slaughter projected 2,332,000, 31,000 less than a week ago, and 60,000 more than a year ago. I'm Dewey Nelson. Agriculture Committee Chairman Pat Roberts joined Senator Deb Fisher in Grand Island today to meet with Nebraska ag leaders and farmers and ranchers from across the state in an ag roundtable. And one of the first things he did was give an update on the farm bill. Well, I hope in about a three-week period, I hope it's in the month of May, ever since, uh, well, this always happens with the farm bill and more especially when you have the House working and uh, really working overtime to get it done and us as well. Uh, I'm not in a race with the House. Uh, the House is the House, and they have their product. They passed it out of committee. It is a partisan bill. Uh, we are working on a bipartisan bill in the Senate. Uh, to pass a farm bill, you've got to have 60 votes. 
So I'm working with Senator Stabenow. This is not our first rodeo. We hope to work together. We know where we have some differences. We're going to try to, um, what's a good word, ameliorate those, uh, uh, those differences and work them out. I'm very hopeful we can get a product that we can sell to both Democrats and Republicans. And then the leadership has indicated they want a farm bill. Uh, Chuck Schumer has even said, yeah, we'll uh, give you some time on the floor without you know, passing cloture or something. We're trying to pass it. And uh, so I'm optimistic. Uh, once we get the mark out of committee, we'll go to the floor. Uh, that bill will be different uh, from the House bill if the House bill stays the same. And then we'll go to conference after I it out. One of the biggest, if not the most discussed topics at today's Ag Roundtable was crop insurance and where it fits into the picture as far as the Farm Bill is concerned. All three are important. The number one issue that we heard all over the country in sitting down with farmers in various regions and sitting on the wagon tongue and listening to them is crop insurance. That's number one. And I think we'll be able to uh, save it and improve it. Uh, we always have our critics. And uh, we know who they are. They know who we are. So they'll probably come with their same amendments. We've been able to defeat them before. I think we'll do it again. And that is absolutely crucial that we have crop insurance. We want to continue uh, the farmer option on the ARC side in the PLC time. Most farmers in uh, Kansas and Nebraska are in the ARC program for obvious reasons. Uh, prices were higher then, uh, big time. Uh, now they're not. This is the fourth year in a row where we've had a price depression. So I would expect... Uh, farmers to at least consider the PLC program as a consequence. So you need that flexibility to go back and forth and do so in a way that does not uh, be at the expense of the other. That's terribly important. Livestock producers also brought their concerns as far as an FMD bank. Well, it's a $2.5 billion request. Uh, getting a bank, a vaccine bank, uh, is a, let me just say we need to do that. And I certainly understand the concern. Uh, I've been involved in that issue for a great number of years, uh, having gone to a secret city that was open and now it's back again under Putin's secret, where they, they had warehouses of pathogens to uh, weaponize, uh, to conduct an attack on our food supply. If that would happen, it would devastate not only agriculture, but the entire country, all of our exports. It's a scene that we do not want to see. So that vaccine bank is a priority. It is not funded. And so it's part of the 38 other programs that have come to us. And obviously everyone, every interest group says that ours is a top interest. We'll do our very best. Again, hearing from Senate Ag Committee Chairman Pat Roberts as he addressed Nebraska ag leaders and farmers and ranchers from across the state in an ag roundtable in Grand Island. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. In the grain markets today, we had double-digit losses in winter wheat futures as well as soybeans. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So we saw the pessimism in the market, but low volume today, John. What gives? Well, I think we first have to go back to yesterday's close when you had me on and like 15 minutes prior... People who have followed the markets online probably would, would realize, I'm sure you talked about the kind of fake news of that, that that dropped yesterday at you know, 15 minutes before the close. It really caused beans to rally. Well, we essentially retraced that entire move. So yesterday's close, that previous that rally, we've basically been sideways, and I think it was just 
Ken Wall about profit taking this week ahead of the USDA report next week. Uh, I don't think we'll, you know, not see the highs from this week, next week. And uh, it'll really depend on that level at 1028. That's where I think producers and chart guys should look on corn. 1028, or 428 rather, is a pretty good price level. And if you can get through that, um, that'll bring in those, those 440 highs in December. I'm not sure it's going to get there in this, this early in the season, though. Well, we looked at uh, the trading range today, and it was very minimal in corn. How about soybeans when we dropped as much as we did? Well, again, we're very back to where we were yesterday. Yes. So I don't really look for much, you know. And it's, I think the, the the biggest factor for beans right now is the falling meal price. So you're starting to see that crush come back in, and that's that's a bad sign. Uh, you never want to see meal fall uh, if beans are hanging higher as, uh, as somebody who might be along the product. Um, you have the May delivery still going on, so I think that's, that's kind of a weak event here, given that we don't have any exports from China. And, you know, this, this quote-unquote trade war continues to go on. Um, you know, I think we'll be stuck here in this range. We have uh, some, some pretty good days for planting. Now, as far as the wheat is concerned, a little bit more of a correction today, too. But there has to be some underlying strength there, too, isn't there? Oh, yeah, you think so. I mean, we're at the highs from last fall or last summer, rather. So the June run-ups from a year ago, the front month highs were, you know, right around this price, 560, I think, was the price. And so we're through that level for that and the July uh, high from previous month of June, or March, rather. And I think there's a lot of wheat room to run here. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com. So some underlying strength in corn, especially, as he's pretty bullish on corn still. It did finish one and a quarter to one and three quarters lower, while soybeans were twelve and a quarter to sixteen and a half lower, and Kansas City wheat futures ten and three quarters to twelve cents lower. This is the Rural Radio Network.